Welcome to Casey Corner episode 129. Super, super, very special guest today. It, it, you know what? This is like we're putting together the greatest hits album. Yes, you know? absolutely. I mean, we're just pulling absolutely. them out, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's a special week because we have Dr. Todd Fleming. Yes. You know, we had Dr. David Swanson last week, mm-hmm. but you know, that's just a theological doctor. Yeah, no. This is the real deal. The real McCoy. That's right. <laughs> Working at <laughs> the hospital. Real, real medical doctor. Yes, indeed. I love it. Uh, he's doing his residency in ophthalmology. They're absolutely killing him, Brooks. I mean, he's working. How many hours a week are you working? Probably average of 70. 70 hours a week. That's healthy. <laughs> you know? Very healthy. But the good thing is you only have three kids at home, right? right. Oh, my goodness. And only one set of twins. Exactly. So, uh, oh, my goodness. Well, you really are a hero to me, to your mother-in-law, Katie, to your family, to so many all that you do. Blessings to you, Todd. Thanks for joining the corner. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, I don't think y'all said enough about me. <laughs> we need to juice and you up a little bit more. Some more compliments. We know we're going to be putting a lot in writing, too. So yeah, I've been practicing for one and a half years. So this is <laughs> well, it's love, about damn time we had John. I love you starting off cocky, Brooks, because the reality is, is his wife, Jesse, was like one of our most listened to. So mm-hmm. we're going to see the battle of Jesse and yeah. Todd. Yeah, a little household rivalry. There you go. Let's go, T.O. So, Todd, I, I love your story. I've loved being a part of your story and seeing where God has led you over the years. And God gave me a pretty close front row seat to see what He what he's done in your life. But I want to jump into that point in your life where God was leading you to medicine and not just medicine, but he, he opened up doors for you to go to one of the most prestigious med school in all the country. You know, uh, I love that Covenant College grad uh, with an art degree. Uh, ending up at Duke. And you know, I tell everybody and their brother your story, bro. So I just, I love it. But I love to talk to you today of, tell me a little bit about someone who grew up in a Christian home like you did, was K through 12 at a Christian school, you know, went to a Christian college where in all things, Christ is preeminent. At least that's, that's what they strive for. Right out of college, you're working in a Christian environment uh, at Ridgehaven, and all of a sudden you find yourself in one of the most prestigious med schools, but a school that like Duke, that was founded on Christian values, uh, like almost all higher education has drifted a long way away from those values. What was it like for you in your shaping as a Christian, the, the collision maybe of your values with what Duke was was really about at that time? Obviously medicine, but... Right but much more culturally, the bigger picture. What was that like? So uh, I was very naive coming into the world outside of the PCA bubble. You know, we had both worked at the camp right out of college and everyone comes there expecting to hear the gospel. They believe in the ministry to some degree and the outlier and outsider is the one who's there who doesn't have faith and and we're coming there to try to nurture that. Right. Um, and certainly conversion and discipleship was mm-hmm. the mission of the camp. And when I was going back to classes at UNC Asheville before applying to med school, I got you know more exposure to people who thought very differently because prior to that, other than certain people you rub shoulders with maybe in your neighborhood or random acquaintances, you just don't, it's all theory, right? You right. occasionally get that one conversation a month where you're like, I think I really did something for the, <laughs> for the Lord this month. And, yeah, uh, right. And but then at UNC Asheville, I got more exposure, and I, you know, that was kind of when I was first realized it's kind of alarming 
the cultural norms and beliefs of what were out there, people my age. Wow. And uh, I got the opportunity to share the gospel with people, and they were actually very receptive to it. And I think they were not used to people sharing their views and beliefs so adamantly and explicitly, but also right. graciously. I wasn't telling them they had to do this, but with a lot of conviction, I was saying, this is what I believe, and right. I do believe in, you know, the contrast of heaven and hell, I do believe these absolute truth, which right. blew my mind that that was actually a foreign concept concept to yeah. a lot of people. But then going to Duke, it was more of the same in a lot of ways. The difference was everyone was just much smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to go head to head in a debate about you know cultural or worldviews someone who is just intellectually IQ smarter than you um, and so I was very naive and kind of also overwhelmed by just the material of what I had to learn there and so I wasn't always looking for every opportunity to share my faith I often was distracted by just the task at hand oh yeah you I mean you're thrown in the deep end I mean you're mm -hmm. treading water you know you're trying to get through med school at Duke right, right. you know I never thought about this Todd but really uh, so many ways your UNC Asheville was like God putting you on the front burner to you know to start you know maybe prepare you you know if can you imagine going right from Ridgehaven, which, by the way, he said PCA, that's Presbyterian Church in America, a very wonderful denomination that you went to school, and it's, that's the Ridgehaven, uh, for those who may not have understood that PCA comment. But, you know, I see God's hand in grace that he gave you UNC Asheville, and even maybe some favor of people responding positively to you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, I didn't think about that that contrast before or that blessing or supplement i probably should say so and i like i like how you put that of just these are the truths that i believe this is why it's important to me because i feel like christians either fall in two categories the majority of like they try and not bring it up because they don't want to interact or cause any arguments or try and defend their faith to their peers or their friends or anything yeah. or it's the you know lesser all definitely for people screaming on the side of the road about what they believe and yeah. you're going to hell so just being a normal person of saying this is what I believe this is why I believe it I think definitely speaks to people like you said like oh they're kind of actually accepting of it and you know Brooks there's another layer to that is not only did Todd have the courage to bring that up but he he mentioned the word winsome and I think that's always been Todd's character I mean, you know he's Todd loves to know people's stories he cares about people where they are and I think that comes really shining through with you Todd and I've seen that you know I've seen you be able to build bridges and friendships with people that don't look like you, didn't have the same experiences you did, and you do it so genuinely, which I think is such a beautiful thing. Let's 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 uh, pivot a little bit and talk a little bit about science. I mean, your life had to jump into science. I mean, you know, you were uh, taking anatomy. I mean, there was uh, science classes uh, to the nth degree that you had to know. Was that a blessing to your faith or a struggle to your faith? Because we live in a time where they want to separate, oh, science is science, and don't bring your faith anywhere in that. So how is that for you? Uh, blessing. Uh, I think motivation's the master of reason. So when people come into a class of physics and they're motivated already to believe there is no God, they see everything through that lens. So they're going to automatically push aside or cast out any part of the theory that disrupts their worldview or belief. And oh. the same was true for me. I came in believing in a creator, a loving God, and so when I learned about physics, chemistry, biology, all, you know, right. I saw it through that lens and it was 
kind of a foundation of praise, whereas everyone else just thought it was interesting and something to learn and kind of toyed around in accolades. And I think there's some, you know, they were captivated too, but not in the same degree, I don't think. But you were captivated to worship. Right, and that's kind of what instigated a lot of the organic conversations, right? It wasn't that I was Bible thumping around. It was more <laughs> right. that, you know, you talk about these things, you have these moments setting where it's like, wow, this is incredible. And then yeah. it leads you to talk about worldview kind right. of as an extension. How cool is that, you know? I mean, what I know about physics is not much, but, you know, he's God's the first mover. Right, And right. everything he sets into place. And what I know about biology is he's the creator of life, you know? It just was <laughs> like, uh, that's... That is so awesome. And I will say it blew my mind how much uh, emotional pushback I would get when I would question basic notions of macro evolution. You know, not not micro stuff that we see can see changes in some kind of species, but interspecies evolution, uh, saying that the fish became the lizard, became right. you know the man downstream. <laughs> uh, when I would push back on that and and talk about the you know, basically they're, they're basing all these things off like three bones that they've, right. they've pieced together and said, oh, this must have been what a pre-human looked like and this is the interspecies between ape and man. Right. And I would be like, this is based off three bones. I'm on Wikipedia right now. And they'd be like, well, you can't trust Wikipedia. I was like, okay, I'm at the sources Wikipedia site. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, this doesn't, can you, and they just, they would, it would switch to anger. They didn't like any diverse thought. So. Yeah. And that surprised me because you think a university, especially an elite one, would be accepting of different ideas, opposing thoughts to sharpen the mind and help grow ideas and innovation. But the answer is no. And yeah. that was part of the naivete I had coming sure. in. That was I kind of got red pilled a little bit. Well, you know, that's probably good that you had a little naivete. Maybe uh, maybe that gave you a, a boldness or gave you an opportunity that had you not had that you wouldn't have used but um it's interesting because you think of a university they should be open to ideas and they typically are except for if those ideas are biblically based or you know grounded in judeo-christian values and then oh my goodness the alarms go off so <laughs> at least they seem to do that well todd you know you're going through med school and one of the things you got to do is hear god's calling in your life to what discipline, if that's the right word, or where, what you, where you want to focus. And you ended up with ophthalmology. I remember you wrestling with, is it emergency med? I know that you want to be a dad. I know you want to be a good husband. Mm -hmm. I know that schedule is important to you. But tell me a little bit about your faith with ophthalmology and how you felt like God led you down that path. Uh, I guess I'll talk about the practical first, because uh, that did play a large part into it. Is uh, you only have so much capacity, and you kind of find what your you're already your gifts and talents already have an inclination for. Right. Uh, one thing that whittled it down early was some a doctor said you should probably gravitate towards the body fluid you you know like uh, or can deal with the most. Right. He's <laughs> like, or you yeah. know, stay away from the one you don't like. Right. And, uh, so I didn't like urine. Uh, I didn't like feces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was okay with blood, but the eye didn't seem to like leak or gush all over your shoes or anything. <laughs> right. So yeah. that was kind of the first practical okay, thing. Okay, that's good. And then I liked surgery, and ophthalmology is surgical. I didn't like being in the OR for hours and hours and hours and not eating or peeing. Or, right, right. So I, 
you know, there was that practical aspect too. And then they, most ophthalmologists do try to preserve their weekends. That's kind of the culture. And so I thought, I do want to have weekends with the family if that's possible. And so it kind of whittled down into, there were only a few options, but philosophically or spiritually, I think I, I love the metaphor of the eye. I love that I'm using my eye to diagnose the eye. Uh, looking huh. at the back of the eye is the only place you can actually see blood vessels that aren't covered by any other tissue. Wow. And looking at the back of the eye, you can also diagnose, you know, chronic problems that you can't see otherwise unless, you know, if you, you could check someone's blood pressure and see they have hypertension, but, or you look in the back of the eye and you can actually see the changes of the blood vessels and say you have hypertension, even if you've never checked their blood pressure. Wow. So it's very revealing and it kind of, the physical exam is very involved and it's very literal. You see it there, you don't see it. And there, even you see something and you can dispute over what that is, but you see it. Um, that's very satisfying to me. And then from a spiritual standpoint, I, I like that. Uh, I've always loved the story of Bartimaeus uh, mm-hmm. calling yeah. out to Christ. Yeah. I want to see, you know, just the faith of Bartimaeus and um, just the freedom in being able to see and yeah. just the spiritual metaphor of that of being able to see our own sin and blinded by sin and, yeah. and Christ revealing the truth in our own hearts and uh, it's just it's it's very beautiful and it is I, beautiful. I was drawn to that from the beginning and I think another practical sense is pretty much second to death only people do not want to go blind people really care about seeing right um, and they they would much rather lose their legs their arms their hearing huh. um, this is all based on survey pretty much right. with the exception of dying people want to, people what don't want to go blind they want to see and I thought I'm more of a quality of life emphasis person I want I've you know the reality of death is there and I know by my faith that it's beaten and I want to show people that story and lead them to that truth but while they're here on earth, I want them to have the best life they can. And so I think that drew me to the senses. And so I thought about ENT for a while too, but then I mm-hmm. thought the eyes just seem to fit better with you know, the stories I liked in scripture and my art background that I had used. Before. That's awesome. You know, I, I want to get to the art background here next, but you know, even in uh, the gospels, uh, right, you know, that Sermon on the Mount area is that Jesus would say, as the eye is healthy, so will the whole body be. You know what? That's like the, the, the front door to our soul of what we allow in and perceive. And that's just, not just physically, but spiritually and what, how we're seeing things. And hey, I once was blind, but now see. Brooksy, you were once blind, but now we, we see by the grace of God and the removal of sin, um, the reality of Christ's righteousness. Really, Really good stuff. And by the way, Bartimaeus, I believe, I think everyone who cried out that was blind called Jesus son of David. And so, hey, this will tie into my mm. sermon series right there. But great little story. Before you get to the art stuff, I wanted to bring up one thing. Todd had my one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard. We were fishing one night uh, in the state park out in Titusville and Hallover Canal. Pitch black out, and you're in a state park, so there's nothing around. Stars were incredible. And then all of a sudden, we look at the horizon, and it's this full moon 
blood red coming up over the horizon and it's me todd and caleb and we're all looking at it and todd in amazement and todd goes wow it's crazy that all of this is random and nothing nothing matters (laughs) and it was just perfect timing perfect humor and kind of gives in the look of who todd is but it it fit into when you're talking about seeing the beauty of creation or the beauty of our bodies and the eye and everything it was it was just perfect timing of a joke i love it that is so good (laughs) you know it's psalm 8 oh lord oh lord how majestic is your name when i consider the moon the stars that that you've created with your hand who are we that you know and love us so it's uh yahoo uh that is so true using humor he does a great job with that great great job he really does (laughs) So, Todd, you were able to take some God-given gifts that God has just poured upon you with the ability with your art. Um, I know that you had that uh, through high school, but that helped open a door to college. And matter of fact, that was your degree. And I, I would love to know, this big picture, macro, you know, what have you learned about your Christian worldview, the understanding of the gospel, God's story, I mean, God's giving you so much of a science background now, but he's mm-hmm. also giving you a, long, a lot of background of a, to, to the art world, to the yeah. beauty and create the creative side of things. So can you spend a minute or two, just tell us about how has that shaped you and how has that shaped your worldview of understanding the creative side of things in hmm. the art world? Well, so I had an art professor tell a story that really gripped me and I think encompasses some of my answer and that is he was talking about how before he had established a more secure living and had savings and everything he was a struggling artist and he was also trying to do a couple startup companies because he was good with software as as well and he did uh, uh, some illustrating with software and he talked about how there was a point in early on in his marriage and with young children where they couldn't pay their electric bill. And he was trying to save money to do that. And they realized they would just have just enough to pay that month. Someone had given them a check. And they went to this local, I don't know, art fair, and they saw this painting of a specific place that they both resonated with. And it was a beautiful depiction of this place. And it almost brought them to tears just looking at it because they remembered another time and a, a, a different time of life where things were peaceful and they had security. And he said they decided to buy that piece of art instead of paying and the not pay bill. the electric bill. And they, they struggled with it at first because they thought this person gave us this money anonymously, maybe knowing we needed to pay our bills. He said, but they didn't question it long and they hung it up in their hallway. And he says, you know, I don't, I cannot tell you or recall how that bill got paid. I can't tell you the details going forward. But all I remember is waking up in the morning and seeing that picture at the end of the hallway and having hope. And it just instilled it. He said, you know, you think about food, water, shelter as necessities, but man is more than that and man needs beauty and uh, that really set the tone philosophically and spiritually for how to view art mm. and how we need beautiful things to inspire and to motivate mm. and not only that to nourish our soul i think the fount of living water uses the beauty of art and the beauty of the world around us to to inspire us to him to draw us to him and i think whether it be you know whatever arts you're talking about um, I think good art will do that. And I think, kind of, this is a digression, but 
a lot of modern art actually pushes away from that. Huh. And there's a whole topic there that it is the the uh, unbelief or the the effort to get rid of God and the art that's flowed from that has has an interesting story too. But when you go back to a time when a lot of the artists were were funded and promoted by people who wanted to see God glorified, you saw yeah. a different art. And yeah, for sure. That's interesting you say that uh, humans need beauty because I think it was The Great Divorce, the C.S. Lewis book, he was given the depiction of hell and usually think fiery, darkness, terrible monsters. And he just said it was just an expansion of gray. Like there was nothing there. It wasn't like desolate. It was just all gray, gray houses, no grass or anything like that. And that's how he kind of like described hell and people kind of going crazy and like craving things. Um, and I thought that's just what it reminded me of when you said that. That's a great point. Yeah. And you know, our God is obviously he values beauty and what he created. And I, I love the fact that in his creation, there's colors under the ocean we might never see. You know, right. it's just like. He just couldn't help but be beautiful and random, and, and uh, as far as spreading it all everywhere he could, and but never random. I mean, just all pointing to his glory. So I love that. What a great story, Todd. I love that. Well, the last thing I want to kind of throw your way when we have the privilege of having you is we've talked about how your journey that God has you on through medicine has helped shape your Christian worldview. How uh, your journey through the art world as a young man as well has shaped your worldview and maybe more than anything is your parenting. I mean, bro, you got three kids, uh, three and under, uh, two of them came at the same time. So what has parenting done for Todd Fleming? I know you grew up in a big family. You're one of eight, uh, number six of eight, if I got that yep. right. So, uh, uh, and I know that you know family, but what, as far as becoming a parent, what has that done to help shape your, your Christian worldview? It's giving me a lot of respect for Jesse. <laughs> Did you have it before that, I hope? <laughs> Zero. <There was> no, <laughs> no, no. Couldn't even look at her now. She's the most beautiful. No, it's been great. I th you know, you think of God as Father, and that becomes tangible. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember you saying, it's like you have an extension of you running around out there, yeah. and if, it get, if, if he or she gets hurt, you get hurt. Yeah. Um, and that is so true. And it's... And we're early on. Uh, we're Polly is just now making sense of the world, and so in a lot of ways, we're we're new at this. Uh, we we're in the physical stage where you have to change the diapers and pick everybody up, but yeah. they they're you know their rebellion is only so much, and there's there's certainly more trials to come. But I think you know I'm very I don't know what I don't know, and we're trying just now to really seek intentionality and wisdom about parenting and setting healthy habits that we can build on now that then we'll be doing second nature throughout their childhood so that um, we're trying to feed them nourish them and disciple them but it's hard it's hard to do it all and there's not a lot of sleep at this stage but parenting uh, certainly uh, sanctifies the parent as well oh, I think amen. Uh, when you parent discipline you realize it should be a moment too where you reflect on how this is me before my God. This is me before God. my Father. And if He's loving me despite my rebellion, yeah. how can I not try to love and shape this child through this discipline? Yeah, and yeah. He disciplines those He loves. Exactly. So good. Well, what I've loved so much about watching Jesse and you parent is how much you make it a priority. 
and I know that your life is consumed with your residency and I know that sometimes that's real a lot of times it's very difficult for you because you can't you know your schedule is so full and I love that you tell Polly I'd rather be with you um, but I gotta go you know in that reality um, but I've loved seeing how intentional you are you and Jesse are with a Christian worldview and how you know I've watched my own daughter go from a very successful person that could be in the ministry or whatever world God puts her in but she's thrown in 100% to be a mom mm. and, and you have thrown in 100% to be a dad and you guys give me hope you give us hope for the future you give us hope you know a lot of times we look around and we think oh you know where are we headed as a, as a culture where are we headed as a church but Brooks you too you and I look at you and I I get hope I get excited I know that big plans for Amy and you down the road and Man, it'd be great to have uh, some Robinson kids running around here, you know, and expand our oh, children's yeah. ministry oh, and yeah. our youth ministry someday. But <laughs> but more than anything, let's advance Christ's kingdom together. So, Todd, you know I'm praying for you. You know I'm praying for your kids. You know I'm praying for your wife. We love you. Thanks. Thanks for uh, being a part of the corner. And uh, Oh, yeah. Pleasure. So, Honor. so, so proud of you. It won't be a year and a half now until you ha you're on again. We'll, we'll have you on again before. Then. Oh, I'll be a repeat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah okay. you'll, you'll be a recurring guest. <laughs> you'll be a, a repeat offender. I mean, a guest. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, which is awesome. Hey, another great one. Another great one. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate uh, it. Love having you, Todd. Blessings, brother. Thanks.